The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, May 30th, and at this hour, have you ever wondered how these new high-rise condo buildings look so good on the inside? It's more than an architect designing the outside that captures your attention. It's also the interiors that are staged and decorated for potential purchasers to fall in love with. This is not an easy task. We will get into all of it with the two top designers in their field in just a bit. Also at this hour, the Garment District was once the heart of Manhattan's colorfully named Tenderloin Red Light District. I never knew that. Uh, But since the early 20th century, it's been home to the city's fashion manufacturing industry, the area bounded by 7th and 9th Avenues and West 35th and 42nd Streets is something of a vestige of the past. It has largely survived the last three decades through the help of a long line of mayors, starting with Ed Koch. Plus this hour, the panel will be here for Hot Topics. As always, I would like to welcome my guests and my listeners, rather, in the United States and around the world. You're listening to Good Morning New York. Uh, Real Estate. I am your host, Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, the number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. We have special guests this morning, Christina Casanias Judd and General Judd. Both are owners of the very successful and sought-after design firm, Me and General Judd. I've known these guys and worked with them for several years ago, several years ago, and I'm excited to finally get them here on the show. Um, hailing a little background on them, hailing from unconventional backgrounds on film sets and performance stages, me and general design create living spaces from an evolving script, which brings together neighborhood character and lifestyle to tell a complete story. Isn't it always about telling a complete story? It is always custom crafted to the demographic. Their work is inspired by history and essence of a space and showcases their passion for mixing design elements, breaking rules, and defying trends. In addition to designing new residential developments and or restorations, that's important as well, with exceptional amenity packages, including hospitality and retail design, they also love collaborating directly with their clients on private homes. And when most designers are calling it a day, at the end of the day, MNGD are creating custom wallpapers and products because they simply can't stop themselves that's right <laughs> i'm interested in hearing about that by the way dedicated i would say i work with these guys as i said firsthand on two development sites years ago one in manhattan one in brooklyn heights and i know firsthand what they are capable of and they are truly a team to beat good morning good, good morning. morning it's so great to see you yeah. likewise thank you for the introduction <laughs> you're welcome right off your webpage. <laughs> i love it, <laughs> it very makes it easy for me <laughs> um let me ask you, so talk about the company name, because a lot of people were asking me when I was doing my research, wh- you know, where did the name Me and General Design come from? It's very unique. It certainly stands out there and makes a splash. But give us a little background on that. I have to say, when we uh, decided to create a business, uh, Christina and I, we entertained 
lots of ideas of, of what we wanted. And so but we wanted something that was going to be unique and, and special to us. And I remember Christina and I both sitting down and, and, and going through the process of, of various names and ideas. But then Christina uh, wanted to incorporate my name. My name's General. And so she felt that... Uh, it was that sort of a no-brainer. I met you Me first, Christina. General. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, I Good met parent. you first. But let me. But what was the co- what was your design company called first back when those Yes, days? it was Two Design. With, oh, that's yes, right. I couldn't exactly. remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was started there. And then we... Uh, and then I came in. Yeah, then General came and, in full force. And, and that was it. Uh, it, it came from... Uh, uh, Christina, yes, was working uh, prior to to me joining her in the, the design thing, and um, but you were sort of on with us working. Yeah, as a team. I, I worked on several projects with you with you guys. And I want to get into that. So tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and 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 how you came together in design. I mean, I, I know you Correct. both had, as I introduced in the beginning, you had some film yes. um, company experience in the back, set design, set stage design, design yeah. all that stuff. So tell That's us, correct. tell the audience how you guys came together in design to create this new company. And, you know, to take that show on the road to not only con- do you just continue in film design um, or do you do just I, residential? I actually have been so busy lately that uh, not, but not. Uh, I, I started just a brief history in uh, with Tom Felicia and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. That's what started me off in set decoration and I completely production. forgot that. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, which is a very, I mean, that, that started everything. <laughs> that started everything for a lot yes, of people. for a exactly. lot of people. It was yeah. a great show, honestly. Yeah. It was fantastic to be part of his team and... Um, from there, as a set decorator, I, mo- I did numerous films uh, for at least six years doing films. And hence, when I met the real estate world through a, an event party and the model apartments and condos became something we did while I was doing film. And, and then it just morphed into, well, I guess actually, honestly, I had my second child and I decided to stop doing film for a minute. <laughs> and then me and general design sort of evolved out of that. And uh, that brought us to today, and that was four years ago. And, and, for, and for me, um, I uh, started my, I guess, my design career uh, back in North Carolina. Uh, I worked in the art department as a set dresser, on-set dresser in North Carolina for about 10 years. On uh, film and television projects, I worked on The Abyss with James Cameron, uh, the first two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, and then I started acting. Um, I got a, a film role uh opposite Robert Duvall in Rambling Rose and decided to move to, to New York. And, and then once I moved to New York, uh, I auditioned for uh, the show Blue Man Group and uh, I became a blue man for about 18 years. So I remember, well, actually even still today, North Carolina is really film set, you know, yeah. America. They do a lot of the, the WB11, I think, used to do a lot of shows shot in uh, in that locale, yeah. why is that? I mean, was there? Is it bad, good weather? Just cheap, cheap production costs? It, it was the the tax incentives tax that incentive. the uh, the states were allowing, which actually uh, it has moved from North Carolina uh, to uh, Georgia. Uh, Atlanta really? is number uh, the Georgia area is number one right now as far as films being made. Uh, no, I would think that that area would be more expensive than North Carolina or that exactly. region in North Carolina where they used to do most of the the shooting. So it's yeah. wow. It, it is move. It's it's because of the tax incentives. Uh, producers they they like to be able to get that. All right. So let, let's talk a little bit about you know how you how you take from you know take from you know film set or or stage set. Mm-hmm production, I call it, or design, how do you translate that into just apartments? We'll talk about the new development stuff in a minute, but how do you take that talent, because that is a talent, mm-hmm. not everybody can dress a stage or dress a set, <laughs> exactly. whatever. So how do you take that and then snap that into residential apartments or residential homes? Right. Well, what makes it uh, unique for us is that we do come from that background, as we just discussed. And so when we 
doing a, a movie, it's a script. When, when we're creating an interior for real estate, it's it's the, sort of the same idea. We bring the uniqueness of the the project itself, the demographic, the the building, architecture, whatever it may be. If it's, res, it's whether it's a new development, working with the architect, and we're able to to transition, I guess that that what we we did in production. Uh, straight into a, a script then becomes design and so we create the essence and the atmosphere of the space but what you said a minute ago is interesting so you take a script and you the script yeah. that somebody else has interpreted a writer or a director right. has interpreted and they say okay me in general design take this and make this into a stage set but now when you're in a building for example mm-hmm. you don't really have a script you might have some architectural things that you know are, you're told about but it really comes down to what you two see, I Correct. believe, or what you two yes. visualize, and working with you in the past, I know that that's sort of how you see things, and then yes. you say, okay, this is my interpretation, Correct. and this is how I'm going to do it. Is that difficult to do? I mean, without following a script, exactly. so to speak? No, actually, it's much more freedom, and in a way, it's, it's, it's wonderful. We're able to take what we, what we do, what we, we've been taught to do, and then now have an open canvas, and, we're, and it is, it's, it's, it's creating our own script. And we, we do. We, we t- we'll take a space and we'll create a demographic. And we'll, we may say that it's a, it's a husband and a wife with a, with a child. And we, we create their background and what kind of books would they read, uh, you know, what kind of lifestyle. shoes they wear. It's their lifestyle that we bring that life into the environment. And a lot of times when people do see the finished product, they are amazed at they actually think someone lives there. You know, we don't, you know, there's no clothes in the closet, but the feeling of someone living there and, and having a great feel about well, it. Well, it's so like when you when you take on a, a, a resale and you go in and you, you have it staged because it's a mess and yes, you declutter, you stage or whatever, yeah, and then yeah. the seller turns around and says, wow, I really like the way my house looks. I think I'm going <laughs> to stay here and not sell anymore. I think yeah. that happens very how many often. Time, we've talked about this on the show. How many times has that happened before, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yes. there are things you can do. Let's move on to condo developments. And integrating architecture and interior design is imperative, but it's not always easy. So tell the listening audience out there, especially those who are listening outside of New York, how does this happen? What, what what's What's the process by which... You look at a new building, you look at a new condo development, and then all of a sudden, you know, you say, okay, now I've got to come up with this interior, whether it's a lobby, whether it's a front desk, whether it's a model home, whether it's the, um, the, the finishes uh, that the developer may ask you to consult with, the wooden floors, you know, all so, of the above. Actually, so for new development, it's exactly that. It's, it's a total blank canvas. Yes. And, and the key to a successful project is to be, as an interior design architectural interior designers to get on early in the game with the architects, the ownership, the, the marketing, everybody to Are you brought in early enough, though, to do that? Most jobs we have, well, the, we have been and we have not been. So there's right. the, the, the challenges are when we're not brought in early on. Right. Um, what is What makes it a, a beautiful integration and a beautiful product in the end result is the teamwork, is the people, all the disciplines together working on the same design, I would say script, you know, (laughs) but it's the same idea and we're all on the same vision. And the vision comes, ironically comes from the designers actually with the ownership or with the client who are really hashing out really what the vision wants to be. And we spend a lot of time as the designers on these projects when we're brought in early on making these designs going through it, many revisions and, and changes, and then then actually the architects and the engineers, et cetera, and all the people who are going to make this astonishing building happen, come in, and we they bring in their exterior. And it, everybody sort of, I guess, is inspired by each other. 
Correct. And, and, but, but also, wouldn't you agree that, because I totally agree with what you just said, you're sort of all inspired by each other, but sometimes you might get somebody who might be a little more hard-headed oh, absolutely. No, that in the process yeah, where you think that it should be X and they're insisting that it should be Y. And I, I yeah. my strategy has always been default to, to the designer Correct. because they know a hell of a lot more than yes. you do. Uh, and they're trained to see certain things that you know we may not be able yeah. to see. And I don't know a time where I've worked with guys like you where it hasn't turned out well. So <laughs> sometimes you got to get these people to just say, listen to what they're saying. Absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah, that that has been uh, sometimes uh, where things sort of bubble up. Sometimes you you know you may go into a building <clears throat> and it and it looks as if. It's five different buildings inside one project. Tell me about and, it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, that's where we like to be able to come in and, and sort of guide that process because we do have a, a vision of, of ahead, uh, sometimes ahead of what others see. And they may not understand uh, in the beginning, but we're able to, to flesh that out. And, and, and if we're able to get in early enough, uh, we make happen. sure that it... it doesn't happen and everything is cohesive and it turns into a beautiful project. Well, that's the thing if you can get in early enough, but as Christina said a minute ago, sometimes you do, sometimes you yeah. don't. And the same with me on the yeah. sales side, you yeah. know, sometimes, you know, they'll consult with us after the fact with floor plans. Do you think this floor plan works? Well, duh. Why don't you call me in before you designed it or finished the Absolutely. design, right? Absolutely. That's the worst. The challenge is when it's already said and done and then there's a cost uh, implication on that. Cost implication yes. is always significant. Yeah. All right, we have to take a break. We'll come back soon. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Right after these messages, don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Aliens with Gas, we are the Extraterrestrial Rock Show, airing every Saturday afternoon on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix, a phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. <laughs> phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Phenomenon. Do, do. All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Christina Casanias and General Judd, me and General Design. Uh, and as I said at the top of the program, I've known these guys for well over 10 years now. We talked about it a little while ago, and we worked together on two development sites. And I want to ask you 
um, the differences, if they exist, between development sites, for example, in Manhattan or development sites in Brooklyn, because we did one in, in each location. Are there different sets of requirements in, say, Brooklyn than there are in Manhattan or vice versa? Or is it just a matter of what the design of the building is or what the, the architects and the developers are looking for? I think it, it's uh, somewhat the same. Uh, I mean, Brooklyn has a, a more funky vibe to it. So a lot of times developers want uh, that vibe uh, within the design uh, of the project. So I would say that w- that we are able to do a, a little more a cool more freedom yeah more freedom yeah yeah is it um is it just the the demographic of the 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 people who are coming through the brooklyn neighborhoods who are buying or is it just you know brooklyn is uh, i happen to think brooklyn is the coolest place on the planet but i mean that that's vince rocco speaking (laughs) that's my opinion as well so do we yeah Yeah. so i think that there's a demographic maybe that goes through there that's a little different than say you're going to design something on the upper east side of building that i currently am selling in now it's it's very it's very modern and up to date and very, you know, nice looking, but I think it would not look the same if it were in Brooklyn, for right. example. No, that, 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 that totally is definitely cor- correct. So if somebody said to you, I'm going to give you the option of picking your dream project. <laughs> you've been in the business for 100 years. You've done film sets and stage set, sound sets and, and residential condos and resale designing and all. What? is that dream project that seems to like still have eluded you like we all have ours but what would that be if we can just give it to you next week oh my gosh i love that well it would be in the hospitality section interesting and i we've always envisioned uh, a boutique hotels maybe even so we could travel like in a in a beautiful destination point and oh. just being able to have total rain because hospitality hotels you have a bit more stretch in the creativity realm um but it would be a bit of that so we've been very localized here in the brooklyn and we've been to miami spreading out expanding but to go to an exotic place and just create a gorgeous like hospitality my dream is to have a bed and breakfast someday i haven't necessarily picked a location <laughs> let's, but let's pick let's a location together can, when i get yeah. a little older and i don't want to be running around the streets of manhattan you know Likewise. selling real estate and i can say to my business partner hey shane you know just do this and you know send me checks or whatever absolutely but do you think about designing those kinds of, you know, um, places? I mean, uh, well, there's a place in Brooklyn that comes to mind. You know Lion Porter? I'm sure you've known him. Yes. Urban Cowboy, I think yes, it's called. Yes, yes, yes. It's a very unique kind of bed and breakfast Absolutely. out there that I think really plays well. He's also branched out into Nashville, I think. But I, I've always wanted to do something like that, say, in the Hudson Valley or maybe in the Hamptons, wherever. Absolutely. That's something that is intriguing, right? Very intriguing. Yeah, we, we... I mean, if it can't be St. Martin and, or, or the Bahamas <laughs> or something. It could be also in, in the same country here. Correct. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we talk about uh, these ideas for new designs, and you know New York has its sort of you know aesthetics for certain neighborhoods. They're sort of the same. And, and Christine and I, all, we always talk about branching out, branching out, and creating something new and different. Uh, I mean, as like the Gowanus, you know, it's on the water there. Uh, there's lots of big buildings going up, but we we talked about uh, what would it be like to have a home yeah. that had a porch in the back and yes, things. Yes, a home project to, is oh the next one. To, to cre- that is yeah. our, our, that's maybe our That's sort of our dream, dream is to project. create our own home, uh, you know, slash or We will business. be creating our yeah, own home, will. which is going yeah. to be a little oasis in, as you said. So that, that actually would be a dream project. <laughs> that's our dream project, actually. Well, I was going to ask you a little bit later about <laughs> HGTV. Well, let me, let me get into that now. So have you ever considered doing a design TV show? I mean, every, and I have to tell you, this is sincere. When I watch some of these shows, you know, when they bring in the designer exactly. to help them with the kitchen and the this and the that, I think... <laughs> 
General and Christina. Oh, oh my God, awesome. wouldn't that be unbelievable? <laughs> that's amazing. You got a TV look, that. both of you. Oh, so would you consider doing something like that? Was I, that something that's ever know, been of interest? We, well, I think we, sorry, I think we've always had sort of in <coughs> yeah, our, our I, natural I, progression yeah. coming from where we've started. Coming from the, you know, entertainment industry, um, I, I think that w- could be the next step uh, if, you know, pursue that. We, we, we've nice. thought about, you know, shooting <laughs> our own one-hour pilot and uh, seeing it out uh, because having a, we think, a design show in Brooklyn where you can showcase and there is really, there is one. Well, I was just yes. going to say there's not one uh, here to so, into yeah. what we are we are that so right. and and to be in the industry and I, I think we would bring something really it'd unique to it fun. and it'd be, a, it'd be a fun show because Christina <laughs> is you know it's great she's great oh absolutely <laughs> she's that character she's a little bit of character I love you guys yes. <laughs> so so let me ask you something because when when I, I I'm I am not a designer and I don't claim to be you know whatever but but I think I have a good eye or a good vision and so when I watch some of these programs and I see some of the things that they do in <laughs> out there in these programs I'm like oh I don't know if I would have done that so from coming from the experts mm-hmm. right when you look at some of these programs or some of these designers on HGTV and we all love HGTV, not picking on them. But what do you think sometimes when you really, do you like everything you see or do you kind of like? I cringe. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like <laughs> super happy and astonished. I love it, you know? Right. So it's really, a, it's, a, it's a 50-50. It's, it, yeah. And absolutely. some of the things you see that they do, of course, around the United States is very yeah. different, vastly it different is very than different. what you would do yes. here. Yes, correct. Yes, we, yes. That is what we, we think. We go, oh, you, I understand that because I grew up in North Carolina, so I can understand it. something that's not New York. But since I've been here, yeah. uh, there are things in New York that, that would be completely would be a different. different. It would be a very different show. Totally. And one of the things I laughed about, <laughs> I was watching a Fixer Upper episode. I just love Chip actually, and, yeah, and I kinda, Yes, I yes, do like yes. that show. <laughs> Those two are really great. Like and she them. is amazing. She Shout is. out to Joanna, uh, yeah. whatever. But she, they use a lot of ship, ship lap, I yes, think they call yes, it. Like exactly. the wood, the old. Now, listen, I grew up in the 70s, so I know from wood paneling. <laughs> and if I ever saw wood paneling before, I would scream, right? For sure. But when you see this shiplap that's yeah. original to some of these these houses when they take off the wallboard and take no. off the brick and no, whatever I else, that, that shiplap is against yeah. the wall and it yeah. just is amazing and it's beautiful. Yeah. So I don't know that that would fly here in the city Probably so much. Probably not. See, that's very f- much the demographic there or the, lo- of the local, yes, where they're from. Correct. Correct. Everything would be unique. Something would be different in Brooklyn. And be whatever you could use that in a restaurant. Or maybe a hotel yeah, or something. Or sure. bed and breakfast. It's certainly going to be a night bed and breakfast. You can count on that. You can totally, Absolutely. totally do whatever you want. Let, let, let's talk about the custom wallpaper and products that you you're designing. You know, in your in your spare time. I don't know how you have spare time because I don't I don't have spare time. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, don't imagine, I don't know how to deal. Imagine the spare time. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird how we do find that spare time. <laughs> yeah, we we've sort of, you know, doing these uh, units when we're asked to come in, you know, by the developers and the teams. And a lot of times they, they want something unique and different. And we, for the f- first time that we did it, uh, was a project in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Very, you know, Williamsburg's very uh, artsy. I and, love Williamsburg. And cool yeah, and funky. And so we, want, we wanted to do something unique. And so we created a wallpaper. You know, there's Water Towers, uh, one of the first series it's that signature. we did. Uh, and so we created a wallpaper with Water Towers, and, but we added a parachute wow. uh, to it. Yeah. So, because it gives the idea of how do these water towers get on top of the building? They come down by parachute. And we're actually... Well, it's a children's book it's, idea. It's, we're we're working on a children's book for that also. <laughs> so, it, we, we're always thinking outside the box. Uh, and we put it in one of the model unit. It was well received. Uh, yes. and, and we've So, you actually designed this paper? We did. We designed the wallpaper. It shoots in towers is what it's called. And since then, we've sort of... 
other clients have have come savvy to the fact that we can create something unique for them. So we've added other patterns, and that's how it sort of evolved and, and came to life. So now we have at least, I think it's five solid uh, design 10. lines. Yeah. yeah. Do you also that, get involved in paint? Do I remember you doing something with paint years ago? Is that just my my imagination? Well, well painting. I am you know I am an artist in the, in before the TV stuff, but uh, I do. We have artists that come in and paint. We, okay. do, we do hire like commissioned artists that come in. And the Williamsburg project was one where we had thirty five life size canvases. I thought you. I thought did. you were um, designing a line of paint. Maybe I'm. Thinking oh, not a lot of it. No, no, no. no but that's okay. interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something about wallpaper because, you know, um, it's interesting. Of course, you're above the uh, head of the curve here. But, you know, wallpaper comes and goes and comes and goes. And I grew up in a house where my mother had not only wallpaper on the walls, but she had it on the ceilings. She had it in the bathroom. She had it all over the place. Absolutely. I was like, whatever. That was the times. Couldn't wait to rip it down when that was all over and she went up with something else. But at the end of the day, I've I've never really been a big wallpaper person unless it really made sense or if it was a featured wall that kind of really made sense, whatever. Right. But I'm noticing, and even in my new development on the east mm-hmm. side these days, wallpaper seems to have come back. A resurgence, for sure. A resurgence. And yes. it's really kind of lovely. I mean, a it, lot of it, it well, at least what was put in this building, is really kind of cool. And I'm thinking, how, you know, why is it back? Any particular reason? I think as like, as fashion and anything comes in cycles, it always comes back. And what happened with wallpaper is there's a new fresh twist on it. It's no longer, they're taking old papers and actually putting a modern twist on it so you get yeah. a bit of both so it brings back some idea oh that's what it used to be but then now in a featured wall in a black on black glossy matte it's fantastic it's amazing yeah. and, and we, and we, we yeah. really enjoy doing that and, and and creating something custom it helps sometimes brand a, a project yeah uh, they may have a we, we actually one project uh we took their um their name it um and we created of letters, the letter H, and it created a wallpaper that they put in the hallways, so it was which br- it, it, branded it brands the, the building, the entire building. Which and it's a fabulous wallpaper yeah, right it's, now. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> that we can use for... Right. And yeah. and like I said, I, you know, I've kind of come in and out of, you know, liking it, not liking it, whatever, through the years and, and living with it, mm-hmm. you know, was growing up with my mom and dad. But, um, you know, something that I hated it for years, but I'm seeing <laughs> so much today that yeah. really is tasteful, it that is. really makes sense in certain of rooms, course. in certain buildings, whatever. Um, and even the textures, and I'm not, you know, yeah. fluent with all these, these textures, but some of it's really, really great. We have a few minutes left, and I wanted to talk about it as, as a design company, you know, and you've come from, you know, nowhere, mm-hmm. as we all have, to mm-hmm. huge success through many different iterations of creativity and talent and design to create me and general design. Where do you see yourselves individually and then also as a company in five years? I mean, where where does this go? I would say... Products. We right now, since we are working on uh, products, uh, we we're, the wallpapers we're launching. The wallpapers we're in talks right now with a uh, with a large uh, wallpaper company to to carry our line of papers and also to uh, collaborate with them to create uh, new designs for them also. And we also have a, a product uh, called Swickboard that we're going to introduce at uh, ICFF Miami. It is a Swickboard. Uh, Swick S W I C K. Uh, it's a sort of a surf ter- term between sweet and sick. It's a swick board, which it, it is a life-size surfboard Bluetooth sound system oh. that is perfect yeah. for. It's kind of awesome hosp- for hospitality on the poolside, lobbies. <laughs> uh, it's it's a it very cool. It looks amazing. Uh, we've got one in our office and one in our home right now. But we are uh, working on that right now. That 
a I, new venture. A new venture. We're, we're, we're creative in, in, in our office and, and we're always. I think one stuff. of the things I really like most about creative people and where I identify with creative people is because in my own way, I'm creative, but not anything <laughs> where you guys are. But I think the, 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 the benefit to being a creative person is that you can never and agree or disagree with me, but you can never be stale. You can yes. never be bored. You can never be, <laughs> right. you know, whatever, because right. you're always thinking outside of the box. You're always yes. thinking about right. what is the next it something or other, or I've, I've succeeded here and I'm going to push the envelope a little, yeah. a little bit there, you absolutely. know, on and, on and on and on. It's absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's almost endless. You just don't yeah. know where it's going to end, it's right? True. Yeah, it's true. Of course. There, there is never an end. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's good. Anyway, we unfortunately are out of time. Uh, Christina Casanias, General Judd, me and General Design, you will be hearing so much more about them coming forward and they will certainly be on the program again. Thank you so much for taking time on this dreary Tuesday morning uh, to sit with us and chat and love to see you guys. Yes, thank, thank you so much. For having so much. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to commercial. We are Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are coming back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. Thank you once again to me and General Design, Christina Casanias and General Judd. And now I'm here with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Sean McPeak from Compass, and Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Good morning. How's it going? Good. All right. Good weekend. Yeah. It was too short, but it was a good weekend. Always is, right? Always is. But you know what? I was able to barbecue, which was great. But really? Yeah, but there was On the no, Upper West Side? No, I was up at the ah, family upstate, okay, but there right. was no sun. It the was weather up, was weird yesterday, wasn't it? it, it yesterday was it, weird. I mean, weird. Saturday was a little better, but yesterday, I mean, Sunday was a little better, but yesterday was weird. Yeah. It rained all day. Yesterday was the perfect, like, come back early and get settled day. Yeah. Do your laundry, <laughs> watch Netflix. That's exactly what I did. Netflix and chill. I didn't do my yeah, laundry, exactly. though. I put it in the bag for the housekeeper. Netflix and chill. <laughs> 
Netflix and chill. <laughs> that's such a millennial thing, isn't it? Netflix yeah, and chill. It, I'm sorry, my mom works, says that term it, all the time. Your mother? Yeah, I don't think she knows what it means truly, but... <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway, let's get going. So the Garment District was once the heart of Manhattan's colorful Tenderloin Red Light District. Did you ever hear that term? I never did. I read it at the top of the show and said I never heard that. But mm-hmm. since the early 20th century, it's been home to the city's fashion manufacturing industry, the area bounded by 7th and 9th Avenues and West 35th and 42nd Street is something of a vestige to the past. It has largely survived the last three decades through the help of long-term, a long line of mayors, rather starting with Ed Koch, remember him. However, faced with rising rents, technology, and globalization, the industry's footprint has massively shrunk in, shrunk in the area. Garment firms have fled to cheaper neighborhoods, most notably Brooklyn's Sunset Park. And when the rest of the firms leave, it would open 20 blocks of prime midtown to develop into condominiums. Critics argue that the city should be continue protecting the neighborhood so it doesn't go the way of the antique sewing machine. Do you think it's possible to redevelop this area into condos and rental housing? The, the garment district now, not, not you know, the, the surrounding areas uh, that are already kind of been developing, but that in, interior, what I call garment district with high buildings and, you know, dark walkways and, and whatever else. I think it's definitely possible. I mean, it's so close to Penn Station. Like, the- theoretically, the ingredients are there. But, man, that I feel bad for that neighborhood. It just never has really taken off as a neighborhood. I remember a lot of rental clients showing that area to because the prices were always a little lower. And they would say, this sounds great. And they'd go over there and they'd come back and say, yeah, I, I don't want to live here. you know. Um, but I-, I do think it could change, absolutely. How does it compare to Hudson Yards? I mean, Hudson Yards is a little west of that. So, you know, and that kind of got developed and got a lot of interest in development right away because of where it sits, I think. But this interior garment district area with tall buildings and dark sidewalks. and It's and always had trouble. And, and it's sad because, like, you know, like Phil said, it, but it is sad because a lot of those buildings, especially the, you know, the old warehouses that are now sewing factories and things like that, are, would make beautiful condos um, or just beautiful apartments because um, they have all of the you know, just details that some of these lofts have in the city. Like they have the tin ceilings, they have the high ceilings. Um, but it's it's always had trouble, you know, buildings that inch up to that 34th Street section have always had trouble selling or reselling. But if you think about it, there are some buildings around it, like you said, that have had some great success. I mean, I think put in, you know, Obviously, Bryant Park is too far east of what you're talking yes. about, but the Bryant is doing incredibly well at insane prices. Where is that? It's right on Bryant Park, on the south side of Bryant Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I mean, Gotham Organization has a rental building along 6th and, I, I want to say, like, 36th or 38th, and it does incredibly well, too. One so. of the first deals I did was over there on 37th between 8th and 9th, uh, Glenwood. Actually, has two buildings over there. The Emerald is it? Emerald, Emerald Green, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. it was Those like you know, condos? Uh, no rental, rental. Okay. Uh, so uh, there, it was a lead. It was like one of the first lead certified, you know, water purified. This, that, the other thing. But uh, Glenwood to me is like the best rental landlord, and totally. I mean, in terms of vision, uh, you know, they to me are some of the best, uh, yeah. most successful. They were there they, early too. Early. Yeah, early. what do you think what do you think some of the problems are that that they're going to experience in that neighborhood is it because of the transportation uh, like the the hubs meaning yeah. like Port Authority um, or Penn Station is just the amount of people is that what makes it not as livable because I think what Maddie was saying with the tin ceilings etc lofts you know yeah. it has a very Soho feel when you get into the 
when you get inside. It's not yeah. necessarily outside. It does. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are on, on, on why. I think, uh, I mean, it, first of all, Madison Square Garden is right there, too. So you have exactly. you have so much traffic. I mean, when there is like a Knicks game or a Ranger game, it is just madhouse there. And there's all people that aren't from the city. I got to say, a lot of them aren't from the city. So if you want to live there and have That's a community, my issue. That's my issue. it's really tough. Not to mention the commute from Long Island. I mean, I, I know I'm from Long Island. Yeah. My brother commutes from Long Island. I mean, it's a mad commute. <clears throat> it is just mad. I mean, when that when those trains go, everyone's looking at the board and there's thousands and thousands of people. I mean, you know, 7th Avenue, 8th Avenue, 34th, 35th is just so packed. It's just hard, it's hard to imagine a real community right there. But I still believe it could change because I've seen so many changes in the city. So, well, if you're a city person like all of us are and have been for a long time, you do see changes in you know places that you never expected it to happen. So, I, I you know, I'm still on the fence. I think with yeah. with Garment District, but I agree with you, Phil. I think that you know at some point it may. Speaking of Phil, CEO of LeaseBreak.com, please give us an update on what's happening at LeaseBreak.com. Sure. Well, thank you very much, Vince. Um, so we had another record traffic month. Traffic's doing great. Um, for any brokers that are interesting, uh, interested, we have a great program where brokers can help tenants market their apartments. So that's really exciting. That's going on. Um, and we're constantly coming up with new ways to just be creative and help people find apartments. And uh, I mean, it's going great. Like I, I have to say, it's uh, even since when we last talked, I mean, I think more and more people are using it as an alternative to Craigslist. And that's really what oh, I think Craigslist. it is. It's just, it's just such a transparent marketplace. And every day we're trying to come up with new ways to make it. How can we make it more transparent and more honest, especially in a rental marketplace like New York City, where it's, it's I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, so... Let's talk after the show. I have something yeah. I want to ask you. So anyway, yeah. this month's concessions, speaking of rentals, remain the new uh, normal for New York City's rental market. Landlord perks were high in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens, and yet those landlords continue to resist lowering the face rent at new and high-priced developments. You know, I ask this question at least once a month. Um, why not lower the rental price instead of all these concessions? And what is the overall status of the rental market? Now, I have, I think, three rental exclusives on the market currently at one of my buildings in Midtown West. It's a condominium, and everyone who who street easies in or webs in or even calls me about wanting to see these listings, they all ask me, is this the net effect rent? Is this the net effect rent? What about this, and what are the concessions? And I've never had this before with condo rentals. I mean, you would think that people understand these are privately owned apartments, and these things don't exist. But that doesn't mean that just because they're privately owned that they can't offer incentives. A lot of times when you factor in or where you see a net effect of rent, it's a funky number. You know, if it's 4300 gross and there's one month free, it might be 3992 So if there's a funky number that you're seeing or not an even number, right. that's a tip off that it, that it is a net effect of price that is being advertised. A lot of times uh, landlords want to keep the rent high so that when they renew, they can renew on a higher number. For example, what I just used, 4300 So that means not lowering the face rent. Exactly, not lowering the face rent in order to, to maintain so that the next year they say, okay, well, you're in at 43 Well, now we're going to bump you to 44 Right, That's true. And also uh, sometimes they use those numbers uh, for their banks if they want to refinance the building. A higher number. Yeah. And I think, Vince, what you might be getting <laughs> at too is just that now tenants and renters even have this as part of their verbiage you know they know about net effective rent and the, and the reason is because there's so many incentives out there right now so a great they, point. they are asking all these questions that they normally wouldn't ask 
in, in the past. So it's, it, I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough if you're a landlord. Right but now. let me ask you something. So you get a 13-month <laughs> lease with one month free. Right. Uh, I mean, wow. What does that mean? Well, look, it does mean net effect you're getting net a few hundred you're off. 12 months <laughs> at whatever the landlord wants per month, but right. he's bumping it out a month or two. I've right. seen 14 right. just to give you something back to make you think that you're getting right. something where, in effect, you're really not. But you know what? I think you, you really are getting something. You really are. You are getting for thir- – you get, you're paying for 12 months and you're getting 13 months. So – like when they say net effective, it's it's a true number. There is that's the net effective amount per month that you are paying over, say, the 13-month period. Where it's a little tricky, and sometimes people don't realize, is that the landlord's keeping the rent high. So after that lease is up, yes, now you're at that higher level. So that's where it gets a little tricky. Also, <laughs> also to play devil's advocate, I think that people out there who are looking to rent apartments actually like situations that are less complicated. Um, so I think Niall makes a really good point because – I so I managed 39 apartments in the city for you know a bunch of my investors and three of them recently came up their leases so all three um, you know we put on the market and had signed leases within the first week and instead of doing net effective or two months free or yada 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 we did just regular no fee because well, like Niall said. Right. All of these leases have, I find that especially people who rent in condo buildings, who do condo sublets, do options to renew, if not a two-year lease. So I find that you know the landlord wants to maintain a rental number, and not only that, have the increase in the option to renew. So then when the option to renew is over, you're not really at a loss for the next person, for the next tenant. Um, they'd rather, it's almost like buying an apartment, they'd rather just, you know, the, for lack of better terms, closing costs up front. Okay. I read this one recently. What about a year's free subscription to Netflix so you can Netflix and chill while you're having your one-year lease or two-year lease? That's isn't, a gimmick. Isn't Netflix Come like, on. Did you just make that up right now because of what he said? No. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, that is eight, isn't it $8 a month? <laughs> I have no idea. That's ridiculous. It goes on to my Amex <laughs> card. I don't even know what it costs. But some landlord is offering a year's worth of Netflix free with a one-year lease. Wow, 120 bucks breaking the bank. I'm here, free, I'm here free internet. Free internet's been really popular. Uh, uh, free Wi-Fi and internet? Free Wi-Fi, yes. Yeah. So now, that's, that's, that's a real Netflix, savings. If, it, if it's $8 a month, who cares? Right. But that if that's that's the case, uh, free internet, not a problem. It but, depends on who they're offering for the chill aspect. But I swear to you, Niall, I, I <laughs> did research. That is <laughs> funny, Vince. You get to wow. chill with their broker, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Netflix I and mean, chill. Yeah. I mean, you know, you still got to chill about paying the rent every month, right? So an $8 a month... <laughs> Bonus isn't going to help you anyway. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, so what overall is the status? We've got a couple of minutes left before we go to break, before we start a new topic. What is then overall, the overall status, rather, of the rental market? I, in my my little world of, of uh, rentals, and I don't do a lot of them, it seems like it's through the roof. I have three or four of them in this one building, and I can't tell you the amount of inquiries and phone calls and emails I get. I mean, daily. I wake up in the morning, and there are 16. What are the price points on those? The ones that you have available, thirty-one fifty to five thousand, and you're getting as many inquiries on the five thousand across one the as board. A, yeah, across the board. I still think that that's that's Midtown West, right, and Hell's Kitchen. That's Midtown West. I still think that's a little bit neighborhood specific because that is definitely a hotter neighborhood yes. relative. Well, to, yeah, mean, but it, but it's always been a little challenging to rent, especially on the higher end, the five thousand point. Right, right. Um, I mean, the volume's up, so there's no question. Like we're in the summer, up. volume's definitely Absolutely. up. I'm, I'm getting more inquiries. Uh, I'm sure that's also benefiting lease break as well. But uh, but the market's still struggling. Like it, it's still. I mean, I'm still seeing 
just like you said, tenants are asking, renters are saying, hey, is that net effective rent? What's going on here? It seems like at the higher price points, so stuff that I have at seven, eight, nine thousand, the, the there's low ball offers coming in. Um, they're asking about no fee versus fee. They're, you know, so it's just thing, things are sitting. There's just a lot more inventory. So when we look to see like what is this competing with on the market, it, it, there might be say 80 different places that are competing with it. Whereas maybe a few years ago, there was only 10, you know? So that's the big, so it's all about price. All right, we have to leave it there. We'll be back after these messages. Uh, this is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. I'm here with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Nal Lundgren from Compass, uh, Sean McPeak from Compass, and Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com. All right, guys, after many, another bro show. I just realized, another bro show this morning. Another bro show. Isn't that something? After many years in the business, several long-term agents are finding that key to selling in a buyer's market is to price a home realistically, even realistically, even if it means undervaluing a property. This is interesting. Telling sellers now to price themselves anywhere between 3 and 5% below market value. Richard Steinberg, for example, a seasoned veteran in this town, says it's all about ego. You end up in a bidding war anyway, and you end up reaching a better price for your seller. Does this strategy work? Pricing 3 to 5% or even more under, mm-hmm. under, under what the current market value is with the hopes that you're going to get multiple interest and a higher price. It definitely works. I've done it many, many times. I have too. And I have I've had things that were overpriced, underpriced. Mm-hmm. I've tried hundreds of different things. Mm-hmm. I believe that that is the best strategy. Mm-hmm. I really I really believe in my heart. The best strategy I is agree. if you could underprice it a little bit, not undervalue it, because the idea is that it will wind up getting, you will get more for your seller 
I believe. And the reason is because I, the way I look at it is whenever you're pricing something, you're pricing something for that educated buyer who's been looking for a while, who maybe lost out on a few apartments. That is who you are pricing for. And so when something hits the market, if it's a little bit under, maybe right about the market, those very educated buyers that have been looking for a while, they will pounce on the property. Is that is that what you would tell your seller when you're going into pitch? Because you have to obviously discuss, discuss different pricing strategies. And yeah. When you say, yeah, let's price it 5% below what I think it'll sell yeah. at. Because that, that generally mm. you know scares people a little bit. Here's right? what I would say. I would, the thing is, 3 to 5% below. Look, let's, let's all be honest that no one knows the exact price of an apartment. So I usually, when I'm pricing something, there'll be a range that I'll give a seller. Yeah. The range is like this to this. And that's, okay. I, I just, there's no way we know exactly what it's going to go for. So you want to make sure you're pricing at the lower part of that range is mm-hmm. how I look at it. You want to minimize the risk of overpricing because overpricing is the riskiest thing you could do. So it's not that I'm not going to tell a seller three to 5% below because I don't even know what the exact number is, but I'm going to price at the lower end of what the range is to make sure that we're priced well and that it goes for over what we can possibly, you know, what we can get. But I also think it depends on the price point, and it, it very much about the price point and the <coughs> and the neighborhood because you know doing for example for me you know being a specialist in two neighborhoods that are so opposite you know in Tribeca and Harlem you have to price things very differently so in Tribeca it's very it's much harder because of the price ranges to do a little bit below where it should really be because you're never going to get higher and you're never going to get, you know, you'll get asked. But what worries me is when you are speaking to a seller and you say to them, hey, your apartment's worth $3 million, but I want to price it at like two nine. Um, you know, that's, that's an example. Um, because then, you know, you never want to promise them something that you're not sure is going to happen. So I, I kind of like to, in in the sense of what in, of what Phil said, I like to do um, when I think about an asking price. I actually like to suggest around a certain number, and then when he, they tell me, you know, where is it gonna where is it gonna trade at? He, I like, give, he likes ranges. Man, I, I like ranges. No, no, I like to no, no. I, I'm saying around a certain number for the asking price, well, and then I give them a range for where I think it'll trade at. But let me ask you something: That's Is correct. pricing a science or an art? Both. I think it's both. But let me. But but I think this is important enough to talk about because I've I've done this successfully, as Phil said before, and sometimes I've tried to do it recently, and sellers are not having any part of it. But let me ask you all who who get involved with buyers as much as I do. So, in this particular market, whether we're in a buyer's market or not, and you know sometimes we're more so than others, uh, other times. But every buyer out there today wants something. I'm in new development, and typically new development, there's no movement off the purchase price, and I'm getting lowball offers like you couldn't believe. Resale, the same thing. So this is a market where I'd say for the first time, I've seen more lowball offers than ever before. So this pricing strategy of 5 to 6 to 3% under what it should sell for, don't you think you're going to still get lowball offers if you put that lower price on there instead of getting higher prices or a bidding war that we all hope for? Yeah, and that's and that's where price range comes into play because it, the higher price you are, the more people I believe will lowball. So, you know, a great example is I just think you have to, you know, there's a time and place for everything. And I just believe that we're in a market where timing is much different than it was. So, you know, I put an apartment on the market two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago in Harlem. And, you know, we, I actually felt like we were asking a little bit over where it should have been. And we had someone who came in like the second day in a low bald. And now after, you know, 
two weeks, we have a contract out over the asking. So I think it's all about time. I think it's about waiting things out and not, um, you know, lowball people will realize that over and over again. I think, you know, the pricing strategy kind of creates a, a competition between the buyers, the one we're discussing. And you can it can work out for your seller when, you know, there's other people involved and that buyer that's going to make the move on it uh, feels kind of like a validation of other people agreeing on the value. And then that's when you can't kind of uh, execute your strategy. But I do think that the trend is lowballing and people expecting that, you know, they're going to you know take something the seller. Let me ask you something. So if you're out with, say, uh, a $1.5 million buyer or a 9 or a $10 million buyer, do you think their thinking process is the same? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I just got an accepted offer yesterday at one four, but I'm also working with a client who's spending thirty million, and we're, you know, it, they're asking thirty, and we're offering twenty five. So that's that's almost a fifteen percent. Well, that's, you know, discount. That's big, yeah. So it's much different, I would say. I was going to just say that yeah, one caveat to the theory of underpricing, that works really well with a more standardized apartment. Um, if there is a very unique apartment, particularly at the high end, I do think sometimes you use price as a marketing tool in itself. So sometimes you have to indicate to the market, this is a special property and here's what the seller is willing to accept. And I think that's okay and it does work. And so there is a caveat to what I said. I'm talking about in general terms, but I, I agree with it does depend on the property. Yeah, the lower end is much more active. Yes. This is much more effective. I mean, if it's a $30 million property, uh, you know, well, one, you know, you don't want to tell your seller that you're, they're going to underprice it by $5 million. But uh, two, I mean, there's not as much traffic. There's not as many people exactly. that no. have been searching for that property. No. And, they're, and, they're, they're, and they aren't going to be. It works well when there's a lot of traffic, when there's a real market Absolutely. that is created. Well, that's, that's why I asked the difference in price points. Yeah, so, of course, right. you know, $30 million is even higher than I, mm-hmm. I was talking about. But that's going to have a lot less traffic. So, yeah. you're not going to have that. Exactly. That fluidity. All right, let's move on. A buyer recently purchased an apartment where... The previous owner built a floor-to-ceiling solid wall to separate and enclose the kitchen from the dining room. So apparently it was open at one point, and then they closed it in. Some people like a closed-in kitchen. However, they don't believe the wall went through the proper procedures, architect permit, department of buildings, etc. So you as the new owner, are you liable for that previously installed wall if it's illegal. Now, you know, you, we all know that you, when you do things inside your apartment, for the most part, you've got to get some kind of permit, at least from the building and sometimes from the Department of Buildings. Are we liable for that wall should something happen? So my understanding, and I'm not an attorney and you guys could chip in with your expertise on this, is that once you close, the new owner is responsible. And this yeah. is the reason why it's really important to do your due diligence before you close on an apartment. It's also really important why you want to have a good buyer's attorney to make sure you look at all the open permits, what's closed, what's not closed, and to really have an understanding of of this apartment and what has been done before and has it been up to, is it up to code, et cetera. Because I believe once you close, the new owner is responsible. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Plus there's um, issues with financing. You know, I, I had a combination unit that I was uh, the listing broker for and uh, there was no certificate of completion. So basically what we did is we, we took a, a tad bit in reduction in price, basically what it would cost uh, for an architect to come in and, and complete the certificate of completion. Um, and then w- what happens with, the, with, with that is that <clears throat> they have to um, essentially close it, own the own the process and then close it out on their own terms and then that's up to them and then once that's handled then they they have all the liability to them and then it's it's like it's extinguished essentially 
You're, so, you're, you're all correct. And, the, and the, the, the explanation here is it's it says it's your wall. You bought it when you bought the apartment. So if a drunk party guest should happen to put his head through it, then yes, like any other homeowner, you are liable. You're just as liable whether the wall is legal or illegal and more precisely whether it's permitted or not permitted. So, you know, it's people always try and cheat around the system when they don't want to go and file things because it takes too long. But you got to be careful because if something happens and then also on the flip side of that, if you go to resell Mm -hmm. and your new buyer comes in and does due diligence and says, wait a minute, this was put up illegally. Anyway, we're out of time. That's our show for today. Thanks to my guest and panel as always. We will be back next week for sure. Be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and I will be back next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 